worry about anything but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Thanks for joining us today. This is the Hour of Intercession. I'm Pastor Joseph Parker. We invite you to look with us to begin with in the book of Psalm. Psalm 1, beginning at verse 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no placement. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Then looking at Psalm 19, beginning at verse 1. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone through the earth and their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete eager to run the race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end. Nothing can hide from its heat. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true, each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who obey them. How can I know, how can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And then finally, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. End of Psalm 23. Thank you again, Father, for the anchor of your word. 
Thank you for the counsel, the wisdom, the grace that flows into our lives as we spend time with you one-on-one, reading and meditating and thinking on your word. Thank you for the guidance, the understanding, the strength that flows into our hearts, our minds, our lives more and more as we simply spend time with you one-on-one in your word. Father, thank you for the opportunity to walk with you every day in your word as we simply spend that time. Help us to grow in our understanding of the need for us to live in your word, to dwell in your word, to walk in its counsel, its power, its wisdom continually. Empower us by your spirit to do this faithfully every day. Anoint us all afresh with the spirit of prayer. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Our producer is Isaac Jackson. Isaac is going to lead us in a word of prayer at this time. Hey, Father, uh, thank you so much for Pastor Joseph and for the hour of intercession. Thank you so much for AFR. And I ask that you would use us today, that you would uh, use us for your will, for your kingdom today, that you would make spaces for people to stop and rest. That you'd make spaces with us to encourage them to step into deep prayer with you, Father. Uh, thank you so much for providing green pastures uh, to make us lay down beside still waters. You bring the still waters. You bring the green pastures. You bring the feast for us to have and f- while our enemies are around us, Father. So thank you so much for that provision. Thank you so much for being the one that brings peace, even in the most chaotic and the most dangerous of circumstances. Father, thank you so much for being something so much deeper than what's immediately around us. Um, Father, I ask that you use us today, that you would just express yourself more to us that we can get to know you more in your holy name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Isaac. And thank you again for being a part of our listening family. On a pretty regular basis, we're encouraging you to make it your goal on a daily basis to pray Psalm 91. Remember, in this crazy, dangerous world we live in, no one can protect us quite like the Lord can. I want to share with you an article that contains Psalm 91, amongst other things, but the title of the article is A Skilled Warrior and his sword. Again, a skilled warrior and his sword. Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Then Ephesians 6.17 and 18, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. I tell you, before I proceed with the article, let me, I want to just go ahead and pray Psalm 91. And again, our ongoing encouragement to you is that make it your goal to pray it over yourself and over your family every single day. Because remember, in the crazy, dangerous world we live in, no one can protect us like the Lord can. Lord, thank you for all those we've lifted up in prayer today. And thank you for every one of our listeners, Lord. Lord, Today we dwell in the secret place of the Most High, and so we abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Today I say to the Lord, you are our refuge and our fortress, our God, and you do we trust. Surely you deliver us from the foul or snare and from the noise and pestilence. You cover us with your feathers and under your wings do we trust. Your truth is our shield and buckler. And so we are not afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day, nor for the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor for the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at our side and ten thousand at our right hand, but it shall not come near us. 
Only with our eyes shall we look and see the reward of the wicked. Because we have made the Lord our refuge, even the most high habitation, no evil will befall us. Neither shall any plague come near our dwelling. For you give your angels charge over us to keep us all our ways. They bear us up in their hands lest we dash our foot against the stone. We tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. We trample underfoot because we have set our love upon you. Therefore you deliver us. You set us on high because we have known your name. We call upon you and you answer us. You are with us in trouble. You deliver us and honor us. With long life you satisfy us and show us your salvation. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Again, and we're encouraging you to make it your goal to pray Psalm 91 for yourself and your family every single day. Continuing now with the article entitled, A Skill Warrior and His Sword. 1 Samuel 17, verses 50 and 51. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone, and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Again, First Samuel 17, 50 and 51. Every disciple of Jesus Christ would be wise to strive to become a kingdom warrior. A kingdom warrior is a disciple of Christ who skillfully puts the word of God, the sword of the spirit to work every day. We live in a world where all people everywhere are facing intense spiritual warfare every day in their lives. We face it at home, at school, at work, in public, everywhere. We see it in the news, uh, in our government, in our culture, and all across the world. Some people may, uh, may say that they don't like the idea of being involved in spiritual warfare. And what if a person says that they don't want to have anything to do with spiritual warfare? None of us have a choice in the matter. Like civilians who happen to live in a war-torn land... War has come to us, like it or not. Since we have no choice but to face spiritual warfare in our lives, then let's face it head on. We can live like civilians and just be victims of the killing, the abuse, the problems, and the difficulties of war. Or we can choose to become well-equipped soldiers and warriors who are trained for spiritual warfare. Hopefully, all believers want to become warriors in God's kingdom. With God as the supreme authority, who wouldn't want to follow him into battle? The most powerful weapon in the world is the Word of God. And here are seven ways we can put the Word of God, the sword of the Spirit, to work in our lives and in our world. And as we do, we can become mighty men and women of God who know how to win battles in life. Seven ways to use the Word of God every day. Number one, read it. Number two, hear it. Number three, believe it. Number four, speak it. Number five, obey it. Number six, pray it. And number seven, meditate on it. All of these uses are related, but none of them are quite the same. You can read the Word of God, but not hear it. You can hear the Word of God, but not obey it. You can believe the Word of God, but not pray it. Consider the following. The written Word of God is a book of faith. From Genesis to Revelation, we are called to hear, believe, and obey the Word. If we hear the Word of God, but don't obey it, we deceive ourselves, as James chapter 1, verse 22 tells us. The Word of God is a book of faith. Excuse me, the Word of God is a book of truth. Yet truth is always meant to be learned and applied. We are to read the Word of God and act like it's true because, of course, it is. We will not receive the blessings and benefits of the Word of God when we fail to obey and act on it. There's, and keep, keep this very important 
truth in mind as well. One example of a very fruitful way to put God's Word to work in our lives daily is by praying it. And, of course, uh, we prayed Psalm 91 a few moments ago, and that's a wonderful way to put the Word of God to work, praying Psalm 91 every single day. We're called to be mighty warriors in the army of God. Our main weapon is the Word of God, also known as the sword of the Spirit. See Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 20. Let's be, let's be wise enough to take our sword, the powerful Word of God, into battle every single day. Let's be wise enough to use the Word strategically, skillfully, and aggressively again every day. This is how we walk in victory every day of our lives. Thank you, Lord, again for the privilege we have of being able to put your Word to work in our lives every day. Thank you, Lord, for the truth that as we read and meditate on your word, that we're having time one-on-one with you as you speak words of life, words of blessing, words of encouragement, words of strength into our minds, our hearts, and our lives. Father, more and more, help us to be faithful hearers and doers of your word. Help us more and more to fall more in love with your word and help us more and more to be committed to reading, meditating, and filling our hearts and our minds with your word every day. And help us to be wise enough to walk in its power its grace, its wisdom every single day. And Lord, help us also to be faithful to teach and train and help our children to get into your word every day. Help us to be wise enough to set goals such as having them to read three chapters out loud to us every day. And help us to know, Lord, that there's nothing our children need more than your precious, powerful, and anointed word. Help us to be mindful that as we help our children fill their minds and their hearts with your word, they're receiving the most valuable gift in all of life the Word of God, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to be diligent, Lord, in reading and meditating on your Word daily ourselves, and help us to be diligent in teaching and training our children, and help us to be diligent and faithful about encouraging other believers to begin the habit of getting your Word each and every day, and thus receiving the great blessings that belong to those who are getting into your Word every single day, reading and meditating on it. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Again, the article we read was entitled A Skilled Warrior and His Sword. If you'd like to get a copy, simply email us joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. We'll be right back. Through the night 
Music of Planet Shakers with Only Way, reminding us that Jesus Christ is the only way to eternal life and eternal salvation. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession. We pick up now reading through the Word of God as we begin in 1 Samuel chapter 14, beginning at verse 1. One day, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come on, let's go over to where the Philistines have their outpost. But Jonathan did not tell his father what he was doing. Meanwhile, Saul and his 600 men were were camped on the outskirts of Gibeah, around the pomegranate tree at Migron. Among Saul's men was Ahijah the priest, who was wearing the ephod, the priestly vest. Ahijah was the son of Ichabod's brother, Ahitab, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord, who had served at Shiloh. No one realized that Jonathan had left the Israelite camp. To reach the Philistine outpost, Jonathan had to go down between two rocky cliffs that were called Bozes and Sinai. The cliff on the north was in front of Michmash, and the one on the south was in front of Geba. Let's go, let's go across to the outpost of those pagans. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle whether he has many warriors or only a few. Do what you think is best, the armor bearer replied. I'm with you completely, whatever you decide. All right then, Jonathan told him. We will cross over and let them see us. If they say to us, stay where you are, or we'll kill you. Then we will stop and not go up to them. But if they say, come on up and fight, then we will go up. That will be the Lord's sign that he will help us defeat them. When the Philistines saw them coming, they shouted, look, the Hebrews are, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes. Then the men from the outpost shouted to Jonathan, Come on up here, and we'll teach you a lesson. Come on, climb right behind me, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, for the Lord will help us defeat them. So they climbed up using both hands and feet, and the Philistines fell before Jonathan, and his armor bearer killed those who came behind them. They killed some 20 men in all, and their bodies were scattered over about half an acre. Suddenly, panic broke out in the Philistine army, both in the camp and in the field, including even the outposts and raiding parties. And just then, an earthquake struck, and everyone was terrified. Saul's lookouts in Gibeah of Benjamin saw a strange sight. The vast army of Philistines began to melt away in every direction. Call the roll and find out who's missing, Saul ordered. And when they checked, they found that Jonathan and his armor bearer were gone. Then Saul shouted to Ahijah, bring the ephod here. For at that time, Ahijah was wearing the ephod in front of the Israelites. But while Saul was talking to the priest, the confusion in the Philistine camp grew louder and louder. So Saul said to the priest, 
Never mind, let's get going. Then Saul and all his men rushed out to the battle and found the Philistines killing each other. There was terrible confusion everywhere. Even the Hebrews, who had previously gone over to the Philistine army, revolted and joined with Saul, Jonathan, and the rest of the Israelites. Likewise, the men of Israel, who were hiding in the hill country of Ephraim, joined the chase when they saw the Philistines running away. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle continued to rage even beyond Beth-Avon. Now the men of Israel were pressed to exhaustion that day because Saul had placed them under an oath saying, under an oath saying, let a curse fall on anyone who eats before evening, before I have full revenge on my enemies. So no one ate anything all day, even though they had all found honeycomb on the ground in the forest. They didn't dare touch the honey because they all feared the oath they had taken. But Jonathan had not heard his father's command, and he dipped the end of his stick into a piece of honeycomb and ate the honey. After he had eaten it, he felt refreshed. But one of the, but one of the men saw him and said, Your father made the army take a strict oath that anyone, that anyone who eats food today will be cursed. That is why everyone is weary and faint. My father has made trouble for us all, Jonathan exclaimed. A command like that only hurts us. See how refreshed I am now that I have seen, now that I have eaten this little bit of honey. If the men had been allowed to eat freely from the food they found among our enemies, think how many more Philistines we could have killed. They chased and killed the Philistines all day from Michmash to Aijalon, growing more and more faint. That evening, they rushed for the battle plunder and butchered the sheep, goats, cattle, and calves. But they ate them without draining the blood. Someone reported to Saul, Look, the men are sinning against the Lord by eating meat that still has blood in it. That is very wrong, Saul said. Find a large stone and roll it over here. Then go out among the troops and tell them, Bring the cattle, sheep, and goats here to me. Kill them here and drain the blood before you eat them. Do not sin against the Lord by eating meat with the blood still in it. So that night, all the troops brought their animals and slaughtered them there. Then Saul built an altar to the Lord. It was the first of the altars he built to the Lord. Then Saul said, Let's chase the Philistines all night and plunder them until sunrise. Let's destroy every last one of them. His men replied, We'll do, what, we'll do whatever you think is best. But the priest said, Let's ask God first. So Saul asked God, Should we go after the Philistines? Will you help us defeat them? But God made no reply that day. Then Saul said to the leaders, Something's wrong. I want all my army commanders to come here. We must find out what sin was committed today. 
I vow by the name of the Lord who rescued Israel that the sinner will surely die, even if it is even if it is my own son Jonathan. But no one would tell him what the trouble was. Then Saul said, Jonathan and I, Jonathan and I will stand over here, and all of you stand over there. And the people responded to Saul, Whatever you think is best. Then Saul prayed, O Lord, God of Israel, please show us who is guilty and who is innocent. Then they cast sacred lots, and Jonathan and Saul were chosen as the guilty ones, and the people were declared innocent. Then Saul said, Now cast lots again and choose between me and Jonathan. And Jonathan was shown to be the guilty one. Tell me what you have done, Saul demanded of Jonathan. I tasted a little honey, Jonathan admitted. It was only a little bit on the end of my stick. Does that deserve death? Yes, Jonathan, Saul said. You must die. May God strike me and even kill me if you do not die for this. But the people broke in and said to Saul, Jonathan has won this great victory for Israel. Should he die? Far from it. As surely as the Lord lives, not one hair of his head will be touched. For God helped him to, helped him to do a great deed today. So the people rescued Jonathan, and he was not put to death. Then Saul called back the army from crushing the Philistines, and the Philistines returned home. Now when Saul had secured his grasp on Israel's throne, he fought against his enemies on every excuse me, he fought against his enemies in every direction, against Moab, Ammon, Edom, the kings of Zobah, and the Philistines. And wherever he turned, he was victorious. He performed great deeds and conquered the Amalekites, saving Israel from all those who had plundered them. Saul's sons included Jonathan, Ishbosheth, and Malkishua. He also had two daughters, Mirab, who was older, and Michal. Saul's wife was Ahinoam, the daughter of Ahimeaz. The commander of Saul's army was Abner the son of Saul's uncle, Ner. Saul's father, Kish, and Abner's father, Ner, were both sons of Abiel. The Israelites fought constantly with the Philistines throughout Saul's, throughout Saul's lifetime. So whenever Saul observed a young man who was brave and strong, he drafted him into his army. 1 Samuel chapter 15. One day Samuel said to Saul, It was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king of his people, Israel. Now listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation, men, women, and children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. So Saul mobilized his army at Telium. There were 200,000 soldiers 
from Israel and 10,000 men from Judah. Then Saul and his army went to a town of the Amalekites and lay in wait in the valley. Saul sent his warning to the Kenites, Move away from where the Amalekites live, or you will die with them. For you, should, for you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came up from Egypt. So the Kenites packed up and left. Then Saul slaughtered the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, east of Egypt. He captured Agag, the Amalekite king, but completely destroyed everyone else. Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep and goats, the cattle, the fat calves, and the lambs, everything, in fact, that appealed to them. They destroyed only what was without they destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. Early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him Saul went to the town of Carmel to set up a monument to himself. Then he went on to Gilgal. When Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you, he said. I've carried out the Lord's command. Then what is all the bleeding of sheep and goats and the lowing of cattle I hear? Samuel demanded. It's true that the army spared the best of the sheep, goats, and cattle. Saul admitted, But they are going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. We have destroyed everything else. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stop. Listen to what the Lord told me last night. What did he tell you? Saul asked. And Samuel told him, Although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel. Verses 1 through 17, 1 Samuel chapter 15. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession as we're reading through the Word of God. We'll be right back.
of Amanda Lindsay Cook with Still. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. We continue now reading through the Word of God as we pick up now in the New Testament, the book of Romans, Romans chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Then what's the advantage of being a Jew? Is there any value in the ceremony of circumcision? Yes, there are great benefits. First of all, the Jews were entrusted with the whole revelation of God. True, some of them were unfaithful, but just because they were unfaithful, does that mean God will be unfaithful? Of course not. Even if everyone else is a liar, God is true. As the scriptures say about him, you will be proved right in what you say, and you will win your case in court. But, some might say, our sinfulness serves a good purpose, for it helps people see how righteous God is. Isn't it unfair, then, for Him to punish us? This is merely a human point of view. Of course not. If God were not entirely fair, how would He be qualified to judge the world? But, someone might still argue, how can God condemn me as a sinner if my dishonesty highlights his truthfulness and brings him more glory? And some people even slander us by claiming that we say, the more we sin, the better it is. Those who say such things deserve to be condemned. Well then, should we conclude that we Jews are better than others? No, not at all. For we have already shown that all people, whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Their talk is foul, like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follows them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given. But its purpose is is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The, the law simply shows us how sinful we are. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with Him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in His grace, freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. 
People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. After all, is God the God of the Jews only? Isn't he also the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. There's only one God, and he makes people right with himself only by faith, whether they are Jews or Gentiles. Well then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean that we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. Romans chapter 4. Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about. But that is not God's way. For the scripture tells us, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they have earned. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are, dedicate, who are declared righteous without working for it. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those who record the Lord, whose, excuse me, yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. Now, is this blessing only for the Jews or is it for the uncircumcision? Excuse me. Now, is this blessing only for the Jews or is it also for uncircumcised Gentiles? Well, we've been saying that Abraham was counted as righteous by God because of his faith. But how did this happen? Was he counted as righteous only after he was circumcised or was it before he was circumcised? Clearly, God accepted Abraham before he was circumcised. Circumcision was a sign that Abraham already had faith and that God had already accepted him and declared him to be righteous, even before he was circumcised. So Abraham was the spiritual father of those who have faith, but have not been circumcised. They are counted as righteous because of their faith. And Abraham is also the spiritual father of those who have been circumcised, but only if they have the same kind of faith Abraham had before he was circumcised. 
clearly, God's promise to give the whole earth to Abraham and his descendants was based not on his obedience, not on his obedience to God's law, but on a right relationship with God that comes by faith. If God's promise was only for those who obey the law, then faith is not necessary and the promise is pointless. For the law always brings punishment on those who try to obey it. The only way to avoid the breaking of the law is to have no law to break. So the promise was received by faith. It is given as a free gift, and we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live in accordance to the law of Moses. If we have faith like Abraham's, if we have faith like Abraham's, for Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is what the scripture mean, that is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I've made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Even when we excuse me, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. And so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger and in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit, too, assuring us that God would also count us as righteous if we believe in him the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. End of Romans chapter 4. Thank you, Lord, once again for the privilege, the blessing, the grace that is ours as we open your word every day and spend time one-on-one -on -one with you, reading and meditating on your word, listening to you as you speak counsel, wisdom, grace, encouragement, and insight into our hearts, our minds, our lives. Father, more and more, help each of us to be faithful hearers and doers of your word. Help us to recognize that life can be truly, genuinely abundant as we hear your word and obey your word and live a lifestyle of following your word. Thank you for that opportunity. And Father, anoint every home represented in our listening family today with a mighty, 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 mighty anointing. Set our homes on fire with the spirit that would encourage us to make time to read and meditate on your word together as a family and make time to pray together as a family and make time to seek you as a family together every day as well. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Well, as we normally do before we end the broadcast, if you are listening today 
and you've never made the eternally important and critical decision of inviting Jesus Christ to come into your heart as Lord and Savior. Today is a great day to be saved, to make that step to commit or recommit your heart fully to the Lord. Would you from your heart now pray this prayer with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me so, so much that you came into the world a long time ago. You lived You died on the cross to pay for all the sins and wrong things I've done. Three days later, you rose up from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord, I confess I've sinned and done wrong in many, many ways. Lord, by faith, I repent and turn from all the wrong I've done. Forgive us, Lord, for all the wrong things we've done. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. In the word of God, you told us, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, right now we're calling on your name. Lord, save me. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you all my life. Help me to read your word daily. Help me to seek you in prayer daily. Help me to obey you daily. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, we're wanting to connect with you. We're wanting very much to be in touch with you. Once again, my email is joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. We do want to get to you some literature and resources that will help you to begin to be discipled, to begin to grow up and grow strong and deep in your new walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Please, please do get in touch with us again. That email, joseph at afr.net. We will hope to be in touch with you. And once again, the article we shared earlier is entitled, A Skilled Warrior and His Sword. And if you'd like to get a copy, same email. Email us and let us know. Joseph at AFR.net. Again, that's Joseph at AFR.net. And we would encourage you to use it for you and your family, but also share it. Forward and on, make hard copies, pass them to coworkers, fellow church members, extended family members, whoever the Lord puts on your heart, share them with. That's a part of what they're for. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for the Hour of Intercession. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.